from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We're back recording CSG from Jake Sports and Spirits at 3800 Walnut Street. Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin has not returned from the Denver Nuggets road trip. He uh, is having problems getting back into the United States from Toronto, which was where we last sent him on assignment. But making his way all the way down here from Thornton, the king himself, Jeff Morton. I had less problems coming down from Thornton than he has from coming down from Toronto. So that yeah, is even even is, Feinstein made it back. The legendary big stiff himself, Andy yeah. Feinstein, made it back from Toronto. And Andy was up there uh, working with Masai's Africa um, initiative, and, uh, and he turned into a hockey fan while he apparently, was apparently because because we invited him out tonight to uh, podcast with us for the. Denver Stiffs, um, Colorado Sports Guys basketball hour, and uh, he decided to decline and watch some uh, some hockey. Very and short I, notice. Yeah. Very short notice. It was very short notice. He already had plans. But, but that's how we roll. That's how we that's how we invite people on this thing. And he's watching Raptors games in Toronto. He's going to Avs games. Hope he still has time for the Nuggets. He's going to be eating some poutine here pretty soon. <laughs> I think they're serving that at Arby or at uh, Wendy's now. Are they? I think I saw the commercial for poutine. <laughs> oh my they're, god! They're calling it something else, like like imitation gruel. Or gruel, something. yes. <laughs> but uh, since Ross isn't here, we don't have to talk about Broncos. Uh, everybody knows the Broncos are playing decent football. Brock Osweiler is in full effect. They beat the Chargers, beat up on them, controlled the game, um, and they should never play Peyton Manning again because Brock Osweiler is the better quarterback in this uh, for this team. Unless Peyton proves to be completely 100% healthy, which I don't think he can. He's, uh, the Brock Osweiler has managed to be uh, sufficiently mediocre. Yes. And uh, that's, that's basically all you can say about the uh, quarterback position for the uh, Denver Broncos. A couple he's, really good throws against the Patriots. Those deep balls were nice. And they were on target, which is, maybe we're just not used to seeing that. So it was nice to see a change of I pace. Mean, the, the, the deep balls is what people, every, everyone likes, I think. Chicks dig the long ball. Yes, they do. Still holds true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, they only scored 10 points against the, the worst defense in the league. Chargers? Yeah. Ugh. And it's, you know, if, any Bronco fan looking at that can't be thinking sunshine, happiness, roses, and puppies. It, it is just it, 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 their quarterbacks are not going to. Brock Osweiler is, is, has not throwing interceptions like Peyton was. But let's face it, this offense is pretty much anemic. And so. uh, at the same time, the Broncos' curse is alive and well. Patriots lost to the Eagles. Broncos have ruined the Packers' season. Well, I guess they just got back with the Hail Mary, but they, uh, they're trying to ruin the Patriots' season as well. They lost to the Eagles after losing to the Broncos. That's uh, interesting. The streak continues. And that Eagles-Packers Eagles game was weird, but, I mean, the, the, the Eagles, who hadn't been able to get out of their own way all year, finally decided to have the special team. It was like a Virginia Tech game. Yeah. It was like all special teams and defense in that one. So. It was. But we're going to talk mainly NBA, obviously Denver Nuggets. Of course. Uh, we both were at practice today. We have some pretty good sound from Michael Malone on one Nikola Jokic, Matt Moore's favorite player for the Denver Nuggets. Matt Moore's favorite, by far his favorite Nuggets player, <laughs> by far. Matt does a good job of, of uh, leveling out my positivity with Jokic by... Hating hard on the kid. 
That's not leveling out. I think that's just like two diametrically opposed things. But Matt, Matt's been fun to follow on Twitter now that he is in Colorado. Um, just because, you know, he's not a Nuggets fan, but he is at a lot of Nuggets stuff, watches games, yeah. has us talking his ear off at games all the time. But he's been a, a staunch supporter of Emmanuel Moutier, which I appreciate. He's been level-headed with Moutier, and um, not so much with Jokic, but he does. He has pointed out after I went after him a little bit on Twitter about his Jokic hate, he, he did come back with some good Jokic talk. And think about it. We, we've turned him on, uh, on Yusuf Nurkic. He admitted defeat. Yeah. Nurkic was good. Yeah. Uh, recently on Twitter, he admitted, uh, admitted defeat about Joffrey Laverne. Joffrey Laverne. he was good. Yeah. And we're going to get him on Jokic, too. I feel and he, it. And he's also re- admitted defeat on uh, Chris Epps Porzingis. And he loves Gary Harris. And, and he loves Gary Harris. Yes, he does. So he's <laughs> a man after your own heart right there. Yes, Matt Moore, soon to be a Nuggets fan. Soon to be a Nuggets fan. We'll get him. Well, it, yeah, I, and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, but we'll, we'll get him on Jokic. I mean, he's kind of working his way back on Jokic. I mean, he's got the hate hard thing going right now, but it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it'll, it'll change. It'll change. I, I, I'm, once, once Jokic uh, hits a couple floaters and uh, displays some uh, good nimble defense, he'll, he'll be fine. Jeff and I are like ticks. We'll get in your skin yes, and we, we become a part of you. Yes, and you see things our way after that. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, I, and unfortunately, the Mario Hazonia train uh, has not been as successful. He looked. <laughs> we'll t- let's talk about NBA rookies a little bit. Hazonia got f- just flat out schooled by a better player in Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. He checked into the game last night, and Gallo immediately started just running into him and flopping. Yeah, drew a foul on him. Uh, I believe the next possession or so, Gallo got the ball, took it to the rim, dunked on him. Yeah. Little to no resistance from Hazonia, and he didn't play much after that. No, he didn't. He did have two points, which is two more points than he'd had the previous several games. <laughs> I believe Orlando, obviously the Magic were looking for a spark because Evan Fournier is in foul trouble. Their leading score didn't even score until, what, the fourth quarter or something, or at least the second half. Yeah. Uh, miserable game for our old friend, Yvonne Fournier. But let's let's stick with rookies. Obviously, you know we're doing the rookie watch. We'll start with we'll start with Moutier. Yes, he's, he's our hometown our hometown kid. We both got to talk with Moutier today a little yes, bit. Um, uh, just to point out, there's a CSG video up uh, right now which has some uh, audio from uh, Mr. Mr. Moutier on talking about what he's been working on uh, just in general. And uh, from the, uh, the sound of the audio, he's uh, Working on everything. <laughs> yeah, and I've got, I've got a story coming in the morning on bsndenver.com uh, about Moutier and his uh, recent benchings at the end of the games. Got to talk to Malone and Moutier about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, what do you think? I mean, let's, before we you know, refer people to things we're you know, videoing and writing, right now, where do you think Moutier is at, just in Nate's opinion? I think he is mirrored in the slump. Obviously, he's shooting the ball poorly. He's The turnover bug is kind of biting him again a little bit. He looks a little hesitant to me with the ball. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is, you tweeted this out last night about, I, th- I think that he's kind of in his own head a little bit. Yeah, he is. And you can kind of tell that when he has the ball that he's he's still pushing the action, though. He had a, he had a nice... Um, semi-transition layup last night where he, he pushed it to the rim, I think against Alfred Payton yeah. or maybe Oladipo, one of the two. But I, I just kind of feel like he's in that little bit of a rookie, not the wall, but just a slump, you know, and trying to figure out a way to get out of it, yeah. trying to regain his confidence with the ball. 
because he has had some bad turnovers, and you can kind of maybe tell that, I don't know if his coach has been on him or his teammates, but he just looks a little unsure of himself. And I, I still believe in the kid. I think it'll pass. Well, I want to see him fight through it. I think I, I'm, a, I'm of the same mind there. I think he's, he's, I think the turnover, to be honest with you, I think the turnovers have bothered him more than he has let on. And I think when the turnovers pile up, it affects every part of his game. He stops being aggressive. He's then he starts making mental errors. And you know, my one concern with him is the is the mental part right now. Is he's very the turnovers he has aren't aggression turnovers. They're dumb play uh, turnovers right now. Like yesterday, he threw a ball to uh, I think it was Will Barton, and it just went over his head into the crowd. And Barton wasn't even looking for it. It just, like, sailed into the crowd. And he's had a few, I think what's leading to that a little bit is he's leaving his feet again a little bit. And I know Malone, that was a point of emphasis at the beginning of the year was keep your dribble, don't leave your feet, you know. And, and again, I I just think it'll come back around to him learning. I love the fact that he's still shooting the ball even though he's not shooting well. He's still taking three-pointers. He's still taking, you know, his fadeaways. He's still going to the rim a little bit. Um, he's not. He didn't. He was only two of five last night in 21 minutes. His yeah. minutes were down, but you know, I, I I like that he's still shooting the ball. I like that he's still trying to make plays. I I kind of thought last night I, I was hoping that we weren't going to see the same pattern where Malone took him out in the final six minutes and didn't didn't put him back in the game. That happened. I was a little disappointed in that, but I, I do think that Malone will come back around and call his number again late in games. Well, I, unlike Byron Scott and with with uh, D'Angelo Russell, I think the motivation is to teach. Yeah. With Moutier, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's the same motivation for uh, Byron Scott. But I think, And that's why I would hate where, yeah. uh, you know, where I was asked on Twitter if, if Emmanuel Moutier should be benched for a little while. And, and not benched, but if, if Jameer should start, and I don't want to see that. I don't. I don't want to see Moutier say the same thing that D'Angelo said recently, which was, you know, I'm just starting to kind of figure thing out, figure things out as a starter, and now I'm on the bench and yeah. I got to figure out a new yeah. role. And it's like, no, yeah. just let him play through some of that. I'm glad Malone's sticking with him. I don't want to see him yeah. radically change things, but I do want to see Malone get him back in there late in games. I, I was kind of disappointed that Moutier wasn't a part of that big win in Toronto. That was a big win. Toronto's a good team. You know, 13-9, playing a great game against the Spurs tonight. Did they play a good game against the Spurs? They did, didn't they? I think they won. Yeah, they, they did, 97-94. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was a big win that I, I feel like, you know, he wasn't definitely a part of it at the end there where the Nuggets basically were just clinging on at the end, trying desperately not to lose that game where they ended up winning by a point. Um, but... I want to see him play through some of this stuff, and I want to see him get back out there and be a part of some of these wins that the team may get. Well, I think he will get around. I've no I have faith. I have see one of the reasons I don't kind of harp on on Moutier, good or bad, is because I know he'll get it, and and this year's going was always going to be difficult for him. I've said this over and over. He is the most rookie of the rookies. He played only twelve games in China last year and suffered and, through injury. I think Greg Oden's first game in China, what do you have, like 20 and 20 or yeah. something ridiculous? It, it was it was insane. So, I mean, China's I mean, that's where, not the NCAA. Yeah, and, and, and I think that he, after bypassing 
um, college with SMU, going that the direction that he did and getting injured essentially made him like those kids that came out of high school uh, before they put in the rule. So we're talking pre-19 or pre-2005. So he doesn't have that seasoning. He doesn't have that. And he is, he is obviously, you could see it, he's still behaving a certain way. And the Nuggets are doing a lot to try to break him of certain habits. They're working with him in practice. Mike Miller was working with him uh, a couple days ago in practice with him kicking out his leg. Um, He's been doing that a lot in practice. If you you watch him shoot, which we've been lucky to go to watch him live after practices a lot, he shoots completely different in practice than he does during games. He's not obviously practicing fadeaways. He's, He's practicing not even hardly leaving the ground, just getting a little bit of lift on his shot. And then during the games, you see him with these, you know, really elevating on his jump shots. His biggest problem, or well, he's got two biggest problems, is the leg kick out and the fadeaway on absolutely everything under the three-point line. And that has just absolutely killed, killed his shooting percentage. And it's kind of like the Nuggets are trying to break him down. Because what that is, is game action stuff which you cannot simulate in practice. It, yeah. is, it is game stuff. He is going to, he's going to, the Nuggets can only do so much. He's going to have to take an active role in changing that and altering the way he does it because, I mean, that's the only way it's going to happen because you can only control yourself in game. And I think uh, the good doctor, Travis Heath, recently wrote a piece for us over at BSN and focused on Moutier, Jokic, and Malone. And part of his focus on Moutier, which I loved, and it's it's something that, bears repeating here is that Moody needs to find a repeatable shooting motion and he doesn't have that yet and no, that's that's what they have to work on whether it's you know him doing it in the offseason on his own ultimately like we've talked about a million times on this podcast it's up to the player the player's got to put in the work he seems willing to do that whether the Nuggets hire a shooting coach or not for him no matter what they do if they have Mike Miller working with him as, as you pointed out and, and Blake Olson had a report on during the game last night for Altitude you know that's that's fine and dandy, but you know that's it's got to be something that he does, and I still believe he'll get there. I love I love his passing. I mean, he still is a is a pass first point guard, a guy that's looking to set up teammates. Really good in the pick and roll. Really good at still finding guys out on the perimeter. And I and I still my my belief was at summer league that it was going to be nice to see him throwing the ball to guys like Wilson Chandler and Gallo versus Ian Clark, who's magically playing for the Warriors. And a few other other guys, more reliable guys, and the Nuggets don't have reliable shooters yet, so it's no. it's still a work in progress there. And his his game's nice though; I like him a lot. It's it's his defense too. It, his it, defense has been coming around. His defense has been coming around, but not the last couple games. And that's not, one of the reasons he was. That's one of the reasons Malone pulled him out. I like some of his specialty plays. I should re- rephrase that. I like yeah. his shot blocking ability, which he's he's shown a number of times. He got Aaron Brooks in the Bulls game. Uh, he had a, a steal last game, but he is getting caught up on. I believe Malone talked about it last night. The head fakes. He got caught on a couple head fakes last night when Alfred Payton just got him up in the air and then just went right around him. And there was absolutely no rim protection from either Kenneth Freed or JJ Hickson. Yeah. So they're just getting wide open layups. You know, it's it's he will figure it out. It's going to be. I mean, this is a year is for certain players. It's all development. 
And well, that was tough because the other day Moody had said, and Harrison Wind on, wrote about it was when Moody had mentioned, I really want to make the playoffs this year. And that's, it, I love the fight, but I think he'll quickly realize that that's yeah. not going to be a reality no. in the Western Conference. No, 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 no. no. It, it's just, well, the Western Conference isn't nearly as isn't nearly as good as it was last year, but it's still the Nuggets are what eight, eight and fourteen right, right. now. Yes, I it's six games under five hundred, and they're I mean they're not way behind. One game out of eighth place in the win column. Yeah, four games back in the loss column to Utah, who's going to be without Rudy Gobert for a while. But but uh, tonight uh, Utah is just like absolutely slaughtering the Knicks. They're up. Yeah. 30, 60 to 35 over the Knicks. But, I mean, it is, it's, it's one of those things that you, you, you want the, the rookie to be able to make his mistakes, but at the same time, you need to teach him. And part of that is keeping him out of critical situations. Yeah, when you say, hey, you're not playing well, so you're not going to play, Malone has to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't, you can't have a different standard for him. Than you would anyone else, right? On a team full of veterans, you can't. You can't do that. You'd lose your team. Please sit down, Randy Foy. Though, come on. No, pertain yeah, some of this benching to Randy Foy. Well, he. I tell you, I'll give Malone credit. He had a real quick hook on Randy Foy last night. He did. And then he put him back in, and they went on a huge run at yeah. the end. So, coincidence? I don't think so. I don't know. So the other the other top rookies were, were still still looking at. Uh, I think the rookie of the year race is a two horse race. It's either going to be Carl Anthony Towns or your boy, the very tall Latvian gangster, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, who is capturing the NBA. I just read that he just signed his third marketing deal in his first 22 days in the NBA. Shit, son. Oh, my God. That's what New York does for you, right? Yeah, I mean, look. But he's, I mean, it's not just New York. He's playing well. He's, I mean, right now, okay, let's let's do a comparison between the two. Carl Anthony Towns uh, right now, just on a 48-minute basis, is uh, 14 points and 14.8 points, 2.2 blocks, and seven rebounds a game. That's really good for a rookie. Helping his team win, too. Helping Minnesota's team win. looked pretty darn good Yeah, in some games. Chris Tapp's Porzingis, 18.8 points, uh, 2.5 blocks, and 11.4 rebounds. I mean, he's he's helping keep the Knicks afloat in the East. Wait, I mean, they're, wait, they're in. Wait, hold on. I, I gave you the wrong numbers. I, I was going to say 18 a game. That yeah, sounds no, no, amazing. No. That, yeah, no, no, I keep <laughs> the wrong around 13. I, I, I give the, I, I ignore that last part. If, uh, the per, per game is 14.6 points per game, uh, 1.9 blocks, and 8.9 rebounds. Still stellar. Yeah. Well, that nine rebounds a game for a rookie is pretty pretty tremendous. He's so tall. He's so tall. Says Quote, Harrison Wind. Harrison Wind. <laughs> the NBA Wind. Um, he's, been, he's been fun to watch. I haven't really gotten to watch full Knicks games, but I've seen bits and pieces here and there. And he's just, he, he still just draws your eye to him. Yeah. But the thing with him, so I, I compared, I talked about Porzingis and Jokic coming into the season. Totally wrong. I mean, Porzingis is just, he's far exceeded any kind of expectation that anyone could have had for him. Outside of his family and that chair. <laughs> that chair knew he was going to be good in that workout in Vegas. He schooled that chair. He, that chair is pissed. And, you know, you know, and I give credit to Phil Jackson. I mean, that's... that's that was a pick. 
that he knew it, and then he basically then he talked crap about uh, Por- Porzingis endlessly after he did the, the pick, and then basically compare didn't he compare him to Sean Bradley? Tried to uh, <laughs> try to throw us off the scent, and then he comes out and he has that. Then he can, cannot sniff at Carl Anthony Towns though. Look at those numbers. I mean, he oh, has Towns is a beast. He dude. has altered, I think, more than Wiggins the trajectory of of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I I really do believe that that is that. Well, they've got. So I, I still think that Denver is going to be searching for the player that they need to really take them where they want to go. Yeah. And I think Minnesota has two players that you know they need to build around. Denver is still looking for a guy to build around. Minnesota has two guys to build around. And yeah. we're, we're talking about a, a Mario Hazonia trade for the past couple of weeks, just kicking around fun ideas for what the Nuggets may need. Hazonia would be awesome in Minnesota. Just a guy that can, you know, kind Shoot. of play free. But I guess that's kind of what, that's what Zach Levine that's is, Levine, that's right? Like, yeah, I mean, and Zach Levine Levine's, is there, Levine's getting better. Yeah, he's okay. I, I mean, he's not ever going to, he's never going to be more than a six-man to me. Yeah. Uh, and a good, I mean, there's not, that's nothing to be looked down your nose at. I mean. Manu Ginobili made a career out of it. Entire career. Wilson Chandler's made a career out of it. Yeah. I mean, say Jason Terry. James Harden probably would have yeah. helped. Oklahoma City won a title that they kept him. Yeah, he was a <laughs> tremendous six man. It, it is, uh, it, it's nothing to sneeze at, and that's who I see Zach Levine as. Mario Hazonia probably would work well on a team that needs to let him shoot. That's not the Orlando Magic right now. They they basically want you to play defense and then kind of figure it out. Actually, kind of like the Nuggets. Um, Another kid that might—I so. don't know if he's going to sneak all the way into the race, but the guy that's playing better is, is Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns, a guy mm. that you know that we both liked. Loved Devin Coming Booker. out of Kentucky, worked out for the Nuggets, shot the ball very well, great shooting for him, great kid, playing a little bit better for Phoenix, which I, is I, good to see because they should be playing him a ton. I, I tell you what, his workout, were you there at his workout? Oh, yeah. Right yeah. It was, I came away I think from he was him. 12 years old. I, oh, yeah. But I was impressed with just, I mean, he was kind appearing, and he was he was just kind of mature. He went up a bunch of points after he found out he loves Danilo Gallinari. He, had, he loves Gallo. He's <laughs> his favorite player. But outside of that, I mean, I, I remember talking to you, and now that I remember you're there, I remember talking to you at, at, when we were exiting the lookout, and I was like, I'm really, uh, he impressed me a lot. And they had him there with a couple of other guys, and, and he just, uh, to me, he blew them away. And what would the Nuggets... See, there was Sam Decker... I think he was there with Sam Decker yeah, and somebody else. Yeah, he was, and Jerry, uh, Jaron Grant. Yeah, because they all had the same agent or something, so yeah. they all worked out as a group or yep. something. I like Jerry and Grant, too, and he's playing his ass off for the Knicks, for too. For the Knicks, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's two picks for the Knicks. Picks for the Knicks. That I mean, for, for a team that has bungled its way through many, many, many yeah. years. Listen, as most of you know and have been reading Denver Stiffs and have been listening to this podcast, in the 90s I was a closet Knicks fan. Ugh. And I have Ugh. not cheered for the Knicks since 1995. And I'm, I'm getting those, that old feeling again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff's actually wearing a Przingis jersey yeah. right now. <laughs> but we need to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is D'Angelo Russell. D'Ange. And what the Lakers are doing to D'Angelo Russell. It's just... It's exactly what probably would have happened had Brian Shaw still been the coach here. I was thinking that same thing. 
I was thinking that same thing because he didn't like he didn't. He, he, I mean, most most coaches don't care for rookies. He got Fournier traded. Yeah, and that <laughs> was yes. Hearsay. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, wait. We didn't say that, um, but I think once Byron. I mean, for for those people who don't know, a couple games ago, Byron Scott says, "Okay, I'm going to bring D'Angelo Russell and uh, Julius Randle off the bench." Well, the the best part of it is how he talks about. Like he said. It's nothing that they've. It's not their productivity or something like that. Like they're not the problem. Next quote was, "Well, it wasn't working with them in the starting lineups. So we're going to try something else or something like that." It was just yeah. like what. And then the players quotes themselves hearing D'Angelo. I, I, I hearing D'Angelo say, "You know, I'm just starting to figure it out, and now I got to figure out this other role." It's just yeah. We just said that. Yeah. I don't want to. I yeah. don't like it. Yeah. It just it's a. I think Tim Conley said it really well on, on, on our podcast about they really value the first couple of developmental years for players because this is when you develop your habits, this and that. And D'Angelo has even asked about ball movement with the second unit in his first game and had said, yeah, it moves a lot better, you know. And no disrespect to Kobe, but Kobe is who he is. He's going to do what he's going to do. And they're, you know, maybe it's better for them to come off the bench and not play big minutes with Kobe so that they can actually get you know some learning experiences, but I would hate to see Moutier go through a season where it's just a complete waste of time and a joke, and that's what the Lakers are doing because not only are they gonna you know maybe they're trying to keep their pick this year or whatever the hell they're trying to do, but it's gonna stunt them next year when these guys are gonna be counted on to help them win games and they're not able to do so because they have no idea how to play NBA basketball yet. I'm looking up his numbers right now. And I'll tell you this: He was starting to play better for my fantasy team. <laughs> the Clay Dragons were happy with D'Angelo Russell. He was averaging um, ten point nine, so eleven points a game, and three assists for forty-eight minutes. He's such a good passer. His assist numbers need to go up. Maybe they're just missing shots because that team sucks. And his per thirty-six is fourteen point three. I mean, for rookie uh, rookie point guard on a team that's like has Kobe jacking up shots, it's actually not bad. Yeah. I mean, is this assist per game would go it only goes up to four. That's actually pretty bad. But they, they gotta get rid of Byron next year, right? Luke Walton's gonna be the head coach? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Luke I, Walton's I, gonna I, get paid for going forty and oh with the freaking Warriors. <laughs> and then he'll fail spectacularly with the Lakers. When they realize that they Come don't have Steph to, Curry. You don't have, you don't have Steph Curry. Things aren't as easy anymore. Luke, Luke wait a minute. <laughs> we'll hire you, but you've got to bring Steph with you. <laughs> I, you know, I, but so, but I, 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 I don't even under, I, I, I kind of, I've told people this before. I think the Lakers are stealth tanking to, to keep their pick. They don't want to give up a, a number four pick to the to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. And I agree with the naysayers that say the Lakers are just not that smart. Although, I mean, they have to be. You have Byron Scott, a lame duck coach. You have Kobe doing just, I don't know what he's doing, just having fun, playing basketball, shooting shots. Yeah. getting uh, he's, he's become more friendly with the opposition before games, after games. Which is weird. In that yeah. Philadelphia game, he was like hugging dudes at midcourt. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's a farewell tour. It is, and if the Nuggets give Kobe a gift, I'm not going to be happy. I don't think they will, but you never know. There's going to be so many Lakers fans. Ugh. They come here soon, the 22nd, right? Ugh. 
There's going to be so many Lakers fans. It's almost as bad as them, the Spurs come here. It's going to oh. be bad, dude. My buddy Dax is trying to get tickets to the Lakers game. He wants to see Kobe before he goes. And he's going to retire his NBA fandom with Kobe. I was going to say, I mean, it's, that, that's pretty much it after that. Oh. Unless he unless he finds someone else. He's I, tried to get him on, fan, uh, huh? I tried to get him on Moutier because Moutier had tweeted out or Instagrammed a picture of Kobe. So I sent it to my buddy. I was like, hey, dude, look. Moutier likes Kobe, respects him. <laughs> you should like Moutier. You should be a Nuggets fan. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, entire Nuggets, here. the entire Nuggets roster tweeted something about, about Kobe. Yeah. And so, I mean... I don't know. It's it is what it is. So those are the ro- the main rookies, I think. I don't, I don't. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, notable. those are the guys. I mean, I'm still curious about Stanley Johnson, Justin Anderson how's, with Dallas. How's Stanley Johnson doing right now? He's he you was know, he's, he started out hot and then I think he faded right. And, yeah, he doesn't play a ton and he's yeah. you know kind of a. I, I love the comparison I heard about him the other day, the Ron Artest one. Yeah, I think that's a good comp just because he has that big body. Yeah, and you kind have of a, good, a bruiser, and you can have a good career being like. Like Weird him, shot. Like him. Yeah, he'll have a great career. Um, Frank Kaminsky's starting to play a little bit more for the oh, Hornets, yeah, finally. Yeah. The, the, okay, can you answer me this? If you were, say, like, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets, and Boston came to you and said... Charlotte Hornets is a 2 seed in the Eastern Conference right I know, now. right? <laughs> um, and, and, and They don't have Al Jefferson. <laughs> they don't have the weed Addition smoking... by a subtraction. The weed smoking Al Jefferson. Legal weed. Um, yeah, he, and, and, and Charlotte and Boston comes to you and says, we will back a dump truck full of picks up to your door for Frank. Did they offer the Nets pick? Uh, yeah. No, they wanted, they, they wanted to get uh, D'Angelo Russell, right? No, not D'Angelo Russell. Um, uh, Justice, Justice Winslow. Winslow. was another one we haven't talked about. He's playing quite well. He's playing for well for, the, for them. Um, I don't know about quite well. He's playing for Miami. Um. I but they wanted that. Well, would you have taken the deal? Yes, I would have. Tw- yes, of course you would. You can find Frank Kaminsky every single day of the week. Take the picks. I love draft picks, though. I'm drunk on draft. Yes, picks. you are. You are prospect <laughs> drunk, as they say in baseball. I love this draft. I love <laughs> Always it. looking at what's around the corner. I'd be a terrible GM. <laughs> I'd be awful. I, th- I still think the most. It'd uh, be Sam Hinkie. Who's the most disappointing team to you? I think it might be the Bucks for me. I never bought into the Bucks hype because I'm not a big Giannis fan. I don't think he has the mentality to be a great player. I they, think he's got the skill for it. I just don't think he's got it. I think they, know, they the fell for the uh, athleticism. They bug. fell for the Greg Monroe. No. Oh. And I think that's gonna that's gonna kill them because they have to play a certain way with and Greg. Why, why, why did they trade Brandon Knight? He's good. I don't know. He's way better than Michael Carter Williams. No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, the, the jury's still out. Michael Carter Williams. I mean, it could. Some guards take about four years to round in, so maybe maybe he'll turn into a, a better guard. But yeah, cause it's taking it's taking night a while. If I'm gonna say it's gonna take Moutier a while, I gotta say it's still open from MCW. Yeah, but at the same time, it's. The the Buc- I would agree with you. The Bucks are very disappointing. Um, Sacramento's well, they've been kind of hurt, but uh, Sacramento's been hurt. But they they I have wasn't been expected much. I wasn't expecting like Feinstein loved them for the playoffs. They can um, still get there. They still got they're only uh, five games back in the loss column. Has Utah Utah's only played nineteen games. Yeah, they've they've really not played as many as anyone else, and they've been okay. They've been mediocre, even with Rudy Gobert in there. 
So, just not, I'm not a big Utah guy. I'm not either. I mean, I, I think we're obligated as people who are cover the meet the uh, NBA to like gush over Rudy Gobert. Like whatever, he's a good good player, but I mean, I, I just don't know. Yeah. Okay. So he's been kind of weird. Dallas has been way better than I expected. Rick Carlisle. Yeah, effect. they'll Dirk's off. playing well. Darren Williams is playing a lot better. They're they're, de- they're depending quite a bit on Zaza Pachulia playing well. Yeah, but that's <laughs> who the Bucks are missing, right? He was there last year. Yeah. They miss his defensive mm-hmm. presence. Yeah. Greg Monroe was never a great defensive player, so. No, I'm glad the Nuggets. I actually kind of wish the Knicks would have signed him because he'd probably be destroying that team. <laughs> Porzingis may be on the bench, coming off the bench, if they had Greg Monroe. Think of how ugly that would be. Well, Although, no, they probably wouldn't have signed Robin Lopez if they would have got him, right? Because he wanted to play center. So you'd have Porzingis and Monroe. I like Porzingis and Robin Lopez way better. Well, Robin Lopez is not going to try to be more than Robin Lopez. And Who's on Zach Lowe's podcast talking about his, uh, his rivalry with mascots? He hates mascots and fights them frequently. But they have a good time with it. Well, like Barkley and Rocky, remember? Well, I'm just looking at Twitter, and apparently Mr. D'Angelo Russell just hit a game-tying shot at the end of the game. Yes. So uh, That's why you play your rookies in the fourth quarter. And, Co- Scott, and Kobe, Kobe, was on the be- <laughs> Kobe was on the bench. My God. Byron Russell have a concussion? Did Kawhi know. Leonard hit I, him in the face, I, too? I don't know. Did you just say, wait. Yeah, By- wait. Byron Scott, does he you have said, a concussion? You said, you said Byron Russell. I'm like. You mean the guy that got shoved by Jordan? And, Did I say and, Byron Russell? <laughs> one-time nugget, Byron Russell. One of those uh, non-shooting shooters that they, they picked up once upon a time. Yeah. Um, but I think that, yeah, I got to go with uh, Milwaukee. They came in here, and I was, I was not impressed with them. And then the Nuggets played them over there, and they just, you know, if it wasn't for a, a cold snap in the, in the third quarter in that game, the Nuggets probably would have. Because they have fun had, players. Had a, Giannis is fun. Jabari's fun. Chris Middleton's fun. I don't know. Monroe's kind of, a, kind of a relic in today's NBA. Well, I mean, he works if he was an elite post player, and he's not. He's not. Yeah. You know who's a better post player is Andre Drummond. Like me some Andre Drummond. He has a much better post player than Greg Monroe. He runs like a panther, as Tommy Balchettis would put it. Pantera. <laughs> runs like a panther. <laughs> the hell does that mean? That's a great clip from draft night. Denver Nuggets, Vic Lombardi's piece. Runs like a panther. So let's, let's talk a little more Nuggets. Um, Gary Harris so expected back for Friday's game after missing 400 Gross. with his concussion. Uh, he'll be back hopefully very soon. Hopefully, Joffrey Laverne's flu-like symptoms will be gone. Hook him up to the IV. They just need to get a little more healthy. Yeah. Well, you want to, who do you want to talk first? Gallo? Oh, uh, well, Jokic? We had some, let's talk Jokic first. Let's talk Jokic since we talked rookies a little bit. Uh, Jokic. He, the, the man of many roles on this I, team. You know, my, my thing about Jokic is that I would like to see him play as much as possible, uh, specifically while um, Nurkic is out. And who knows when Nurkic is coming back? Yeah, there's still the Nuggets, zero timetable from the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are at a point where they need to stop throwing J.J. Hickson in there 
as a starting center and just put him in there. And I can't help but wonder what the team would look like with Jokic, Gallo, Chandler, Harris, Moutier. Damn it. You kind know, of robbed of a potentially fun team this year due to injuries. I mean, you space. You sp- I think if you part of the Nuggets' problem is the spacing. Obviously, I think Jokic helps a little bit with that. I mean, yeah. he at least can hang out on the perimeter sometimes. He can. Um, he's been up and down. His defense. He had a, he had a good uh, a good post possession against Vucevic last night where he poked the ball away. Uh, he got head faked by I think it was Oladipo on the baseline and he kind of floated back to his guy and then Oladipo just laid it in really easily totally mm-hmm. faked out on that I'm sure Malone that's something that you know he harped on after the game was guys are getting you know head fake this and that and missing assignments Jokic has been there he, that's gonna happen yeah. 20 years old he's gonna have bad games he's gonna have his good games um, his his floater is not falling like it was. It, at least it didn't mm. last night. He missed a few shots here and there. He had a great rushing. shot off the uh, off the glass. That little jumper he had, or he just yeah. Well, he's been working on it. that. He's yeah. been working on. He's been working on the Duncan uh, off off the glass thing. I mean, and he had some great video of him working on the the Dirk one legged shot. Yes, and you know he's been des- diligently working on his shot in practice diligently, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to actually well. I'm looking forward to what he could possibly do. And um, Malone had some thoughts on him uh, basically like being surprised, I think, by him. Uh, I, uh, I'm setting this all up horribly right now. But it's, it's like it, it being surprised by where he is now. Well, I think that what we saw, what we saw of him and what we heard from Conley a little bit, too, was that he could handle the ball for Megalex, and he did. I mean, he had coast-to-coast drives. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he ran fast breaks, and he has, he has skills. He's a skilled player, and Malone has allowed him a little bit. That, you know, he, he shot some threes. He's not working out of, the, out of the high post like he did at Summer League yet, and there's, there's no reason why he really should yet. I mean, bring, they're bringing him along slowly. But yeah, we'll get into this. I asked Malone today at practice. I just, you know, asked him just to kind of grade Jokic's progress. And you know, we we've seen him start games. We've seen him, you know, get benched in the second half of games. I mean, he's just kind of he hasn't had a solid role on the team, but he has had a role on the team, which is I think more than anybody could expect. Yeah, oh, so absolutely. So we'll cue up Malone sound here on uh, on the surprise that is Nikola Jokic. Never in a million years would I have thought that he would be a starting center for us this year. Uh, and playing the role that he's played. Uh, you know, what I love about Nicola, you know, there's been times this year when we play against a team like Philly, for example, where he doesn't play. Uh, it's just a bad matchup. It's all small ball. But what I love about him, his heart is pure. He is still a guy that is on the bench cheering his teammates, genuinely excited that way we won a game. It's never about Nicole Jokic. It's about the team. And I love that about him. Um, but his development, like we did a lot of skill development to work today, ball handling and passing. And I kid you not, he has one of the best skill sets on our team, better than some of our guards. And that's not knocking our guards. That's to say how good his skill package is. He, he handles the ball. He was a point guard growing up, he said. He goes, yeah, I used to be a fat point guard. And now, now I'm a starting center. Yeah, he grew. Uh, but uh, I look at him. Um, the game that stands out is San Antonio. But there's other games where he comes out. 
He's smart. He has a high IQ. He has great hands. He has a soft touch. Uh, he has a very high basketball IQ. So all the things that you look for in a player, he brings to the table. So he's ahead of schedule. We love him, and I think he has a chance to be a hell of a player. Well, that was that. That's a revealing quote in so far as his Malone talking about his skill. Right? But, yeah, and I think it's I think it's big too because we heard Malone last night pretty upset, referred to the team as piss poor at one point. Mm-hmm. He's jerked around Jokic's minutes. Like I said, he started him. Yeah, he's benched him in the second half in favor of JJ. He didn't play him in Philadelphia, but he's he, you know he played him last night against Orlando here and there. But to hear him reinforce what he said at the beginning of the year, I think is key. You know, there's he's he loves him as a player, mm-hmm. loves his chances, skilled player. You know. Said he had the point guard skills because he grew up. Great quote: grew up playing point guard, fat point guard. Yeah, grew grew out of it, and we've seen him slim down a ton this year. And yes, yes. It's just I love hearing the reinforcement of even though it's perceived maybe by some people that he's been unhappy with Jokic because of his playing time. No, he's just a rookie and he's just playing him in different roles. Yeah. Well, and and let, it's important for people to understand a couple things about Jokic. He's always there in the gym late. Um, Jokic is always the last guy to leave. Every time I'm there, Jokic is the last guy. In fact, uh, right as uh, uh, Malone was talking about him, I mean, came back in. He the came gym. back in and and was you know working on. He's still been working on that one foot fadeaway that he that the Dirk thing. He's been working on a whole bunch of different things, and he's always there and always working. And I think that is what has impressed me almost as much as what I've seen in games is the fact that he's there and being diligent in the gym and wanting to work. I mean, you clearly can't ask for much more than that. No, and one difference that I've, I've noticed a bit between him and, let's say, Nurkic, Nurkic and Jokic, both very fun guys off the floor, really incredibly nice guys, big hearts. Jokic was it was it Hastings compared him to like a baby Great Dane or something? Yes. You know yeah, he yeah. is. He's like a big puppy or just you see him in the hallway heading out to the court before games. He's usually skipping, and on the on the court he plays a pretty nice guy game too. Yeah. To where when you put Nurkic on the court, he really does transform into the Bosnian beast. I mean, he's yes, got he a nasty side. Yes, he he wants to embarrass you. He wants to humiliate you. He wants to play well, but he wants to he he likes to have fun too. Obviously. And I want to see a little nastiness out of Jokic. I don't know. He, maybe he's just not that kind of player, but you don't have to be. You don't have to yeah. have that, right? I wouldn't say Marcus Dirk's not nasty, is, you know? Dirk's not nasty no. at all in any way, shape, or the form. He's, uh, I mean, I think one of the, the things that has impressed me the most about Jokic is that he wants the desire. You can see the desire. He's just a skilled player. And the skill is extreme. I see what he does with his hands on the court, and it's you. You don't really see a big guy with that kind of that kind of hand. You don't. The, Once um, coined him, hashtag Velcro. Velcro, which uh, kind of went by the wayside. <laughs> I, there was there was no Velcro, no more Velcro here because it was a stupid nickname. Um, I think. We're just all glad you see that now, Jeff. Yeah, well, just. <laughs> It was fun though. I, originality, two points for originality on that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I I think since he's not a vertical person and he's not a Rudy Gobert, people are worried that he is going to 
not be able to be quote unquote a rim protector. And I hate, once again, I reiterate, I hate that term. I think there's there's just rim protector means one thing. You need a guy who just plays interior defense. And so that's what the best way to put it. And he plays interior defense smart. Well, there's a there's a stretch last night where Vucevic was just destroying Hickson, Fareed, whoever they had on him, just hitting jump shots. Basically, he was able to do whatever he wanted. If he needed to go in the post, he could do that. But he's very comfortable taking jumpers, and the Nuggets were giving him jumpers, so he was nailing them. Malone came back with Jokic. I think it was in the third quarter, maybe the fourth, I can't, second half, and it was when Vucevic was kind of hot. He came back with Jokic, and immediately they went back to him out on the, on the wing, and he wanted to take the shot, but Jokic was up in his face and just was taller than him and just was yeah. in his face. He couldn't take the shot. He ended up passing the ball off. And that, that's a difference with him on the floor. You know, his length and his presence in the paint will affect what guards do. And even though he's not, you know, up there, you know, above the square like Carl Anthony Towns or even Perzingis, yeah. he is still able to affect things defensively. And we have a little sound on that from, from Michael Malone on Nikola Jokic, the... Uh, interior presence i've been around a lot of guys over the years that are great rim protectors that are not athletes guys like anderson barajow uh even in sacramento demarcus cousins you know was not a rim protector in the sense of a shot blocker but great job of using his length and size but also taking charges so you can be a great rim protector without being a dikembe mutombo you know if you're not a shot blocker you have to be a great position defender and that requires intelligence anticipation using your length to your advantage, using the rules to your advantage. And I think Nicola, for a young player, a rookie, does a very good job of that. That's an excellent quote. That is an excellent quote because, a quote because people expect Rudy Gobert and Dikembe Mutombo, and there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, and Mutombo wasn't a high flyer either. I mean, he no, was he a, wasn't. a great positional oh, defender God, like was Malone the, talked about. Mutombo... This is what people forget about Dikembe. 7-2. It was 7-2, but he, most of his blocks came strong side, not weak side. Everyone gets their blocks weak side now. He was not afraid to get on a poster, so he would get most yeah. of his blocks coming at you. And, and they'd play him like he played one-on-one. They'd put him in the post against Sean Kemp. Yep. You know, and he had, obviously, like a foot and a half on Kemp, mm-hmm. but would stay with him and stay in front of him, like Malone said, positional, like you positional. said, positional. Exactly. And, and if, you, if you have good position, you can solve a lot of problems in the NBA. Jokic, is, he's even been in some instances where he's in the post one-on-one and guys back him down inside, but I don't know whether it's the angle they're taking the shot, having to shoot over him, the combination of both, where they've missed easy shots against him inside. And, you know, he grabs a rebound. He was grabbing some pretty good rebounds last night where he was going over guys just with his length and positioning on, on, on the glass that I hadn't really seen from him that much that I was yeah. pretty impressed with as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's got a good nose for the ball. Um, he's very good at grabbing and tipping it to himself. We had that great yeah. play where Jameer took that baseline jumper as the shot clock was expiring. Jokic had set a screen out near the three-point line recovered back to grab the offensive rebound and laid it back in. Yep. Stayed with the play, tipped it to himself like you pointed out. You know, does a great job volleyballing it to himself. Yes, he does. And those are, those are things that will serve him well going forward because I think he's going to be able to develop his strength first and foremost. And, and that's the, where, really where he needs to be to, to get. And, and guys uh, get by the other way. Obviously, Fareed's a guy that gets by on his athleticism. You know, doesn't 
necessarily box out all the time, goes after you know rebounds just from an instinctual and athletic standpoint. And to me, the stain power is more on Jokic's side than it is on Freed's side. Well, I, let me ask you this, and then and and people who are listening, uh, you can contribute to the conversation by tweeting at us it's at, at COLO Sports Guys. I really want to hear from people on this. If the Nuggets ended up, and I'm just throwing out a hypothetical, if they ended up giving up Fareed, are you comfortable with going with a Nurkic-Jokic frontcourt? I don't know. I don't know if Jokic can play the four defensively. Well, I mean, what do you need? I'm trying to think if, like, if he's, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he plays, I just don't know if his speed laterally is going to be able to stay with guys like Draymond, some of those power forward types, but mm-hmm. not everybody has those. I would, I wouldn't, I want to see it because I wanted, I wanted to see that since summer league. Yeah. I want to see what that pairing would look like, especially if Jokic gets more comfortable, you know, from the perimeter. If he's allowed to incorporate more of those jump shots, if he can prove to be a floor spacer, mm-hmm. I don't know if he can prove that offensively in a traditional sense, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Nuggets go to a jumbo lineup. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that having Jokic and his continued development, if he develops that three-point shot, that will make, if they have to make some changes to the roster, that'll make losing a piece or two more palatable. Because you're not just using Jokic as a backup center. And I think Joffrey is is really proven to be a a capable big in the NBA as well. He's very tough. He's a very tough player. And he has has a different skill set. And he can play, I believe he can play, he's played next to, next to Jokic, and they've actually played fairly well together. Yes, they have. In limited minutes, but they've looked okay, so I'd like to see it the other way too. But I think those three are the future for this team. Yeah, no, I... For the front court. I bet it's 100% accurate. And right now... Those three guys that, <laughs> that all play below the rim. I'd like to have one athlete in there that... You know, like a freed type, but you know how many minutes is that guy going to get? And if you're if you're playing smart basketball, you don't really need to be high flyers. How many teams have above the rim players? A lot, probably. I don't know. Really? <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I Derek Favors. I mean, I mean, That's we're, true. we're That's not. True. I mean, we're not. Ta- we're, there's more Roy Hibberts and uh, you know people who are. I mean, look at Derek. Uh, and look at uh, Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez. You know Andrew Bogut. Andrew he's not really Bogut above. Is below Draymond Green's not you know going to dunk over you if you're no. seven feet tall. No, he, he's, Spurs. Yeah. They're pretty much on the ground with Lamarcus and yeah. Thunder. That, Thunder have some high flyers. Uh, but that's Debaca. Debaca, Westbrook, Drake gets up there. But, Dallas. But I mean Clippers. You, you can Clippers make, are dangerous. You can make up for a lack of interior above the rim play. Yeah. By having just perimeter be, above the rim. It'd just be kind play. of funny though if those are the three guys that like none of them could hardly well, Joffrey's got some hops, I guess. He's got some hops. I but you Jokic know, and Nurkic I, combined for about six inches of vertical. <laughs> I, I saw Jokic trying to dunk a couple days ago <laughs> with one hand and it was painful to watch. It's Higher like, than I can get. And it's just then he's seven feet tall. It's like, dude, you could just reach up there and dunk it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the nabbit. I'm really excited to see Gary Harris back too. I Gers. you know, for whatever you think about Harris's game, God he's so much better than Randy Foy. I like his yeah. athleticism. I really do. I like I, I just I want him back 
And I want Foy to be benched. <laughs> Foy, Foy has been so bad. I'm a Foy bad. hater this year. And I love Randy Foy. Great guy. But just really struggling. Foy, really struggling. Foy has been so bad at stretches this year that... He's given us Eric Green blues. It's, it's hard to... Well, he's sometimes made stretches of the offense just hard to watch. Hard his to defense. Watch. Last yeah. night he had that play where he switched out um, with Moutier. He switched out and went to cover... God, was it Oladipo or Peyton? I don't know why I'm getting them confused. It's impossible with their hair. But he just... He let... It was Oladipo. And Oladipo likes to go right. He let him go right and then just let him keep going right. And he just laid it in. I was like, where the hell, the hell was that, Randy? It, yeah. Didn't even, tr- didn't even attempt to get in front of the guy. Yeah. And, and there was a couple ones with... with uh, and was that was, that was with, again, Malone saying they don't want guys to go middle, and he let him go middle. There was one with Gary Payton where he acted basically Gary like, Payton. Not Gary Payton. Jeez, we both <laughs> Byron really, Russell, Gary Payton. <laughs> just really, uh, these names are just Sean Kemp the, was in there. They're getting the best ago. of us tonight, aren't they? Um, where he, ba- he had his hand like in front of Payton, and he was on the side of him, and he kind of moved his hand like he was a swinging gate. Say, here, no. Here. Go to the rim. I, 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 and there was nothing in front of him. Just, Go to the rim. And, I mean, just have that. understandably so, Nelson and Moutier were just as bad oh. last night. It was a layup line for Alfred Payton in the second half. Dreadful. And ghostly people. is what it was. It was ghostly. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I, it's hard to watch when people don't have the skill to play certain roles. And I don't believe Randy Foy has the skill it's a t- it was a, I mean, as, as much as Malone wants to say that the Sixers were a tough matchup for Jokic, any athletic guard is a tough matchup for Randy Foy at this point in his career. Yep. It's tough. How and far is he in now? Is this uh, 10 years for him? I don't even know if it's that long. It might be like eight or something. I don't know. Something. I don't know. Something. But so you, you had a great question today at practice where you, you'd asked uh, Malone as he was asked, after last night's game about Danilo Gallinari, who is suffering from a bone bruise in his left knee, and had talked about, you know, they're playing Gallo. He's playing Gallo a little bit more than he wants to because of his body. And then you followed up today with a great question. I'll let you kind of talk about that. Well, basically, my 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 setup was from last night. Harrison win from uh, BSN Denver. NBA at, wind. NBA wind at NBA wind asked uh, Malone about Gallo and because it was something that everyone had been talking about in the press box. Like, why? Because Gallo was obviously laboring towards the end of that game. And Harrison found that great clip from the Bulls game um, on the road where Gallo was visibly limping up and down the court. Yeah. And in, in, in serious pain. In serious pain. And, and you know, I, I, it was so re- I was assured again that it's a bone bruise today. And Gallo was at an event... Um, at the at uh, I was going to say Stapleton Denver International <laughs> Airport. It has not been Stapleton for a long time. I am not that old. <laughs> um, and where they and, and he looked fine. Um, he I looked think, fine at the event. Yeah, just well, you know, he's not cutting <laughs> or dunking or anything like that. But you know, thank God they were they were making him unload bags <laughs> off airplanes. Yeah, you, you go out there. You're tall. <laughs> um, and he was. Last night, by the end of the game, he could barely get up the court, and he was shooting. His his shot was very Kenyon Martin esque line drives. He had no legs under his shot, and it was it was very clear, very clear to everyone 
that Gallo was laboring because of the knee. Well, Harrison set that up by, you know, basically asked Malone, you know, he's got the bone bruise and he's playing almost 40 minutes. He played 38, almost 39 minutes last night, which is almost, but you're talking about 40 minutes. And Malone basically admitted, without admitting it, that he does not playing Gallo. He's playing Gallo more minutes than he'd like to right now. That was the way he had phrased it. Well, today I kind of wanted to follow that because we have Kostas Papa Nicolau, who gets no time, literally no time. He and they made a, they made a over. roster move for Papa Nicolau. They did. They they brought him back, and specifically because Wilson Chandler is you know no longer on the uh, he's he's injured this year. So I asked Malone. I said, "Do you think this is going to open up some time for Papa Nicolau?" And you know because of this whole thing. Malone kind of a little backtracked a little from his his statement last night. He basically said Gallo is only he's averaging thirty six minutes a game. It's not really that much time, um, but he should be more cognizant of his minutes because of his injury history. But he kind of like skipped over the Papa Nicolau thing. <laughs> And uh, I, I, what, what, what do you think? The, I mean, it's on the CSG video, and I don't have it rem- memorized, but it was something along the line. You know, maybe Kostas can get some minutes. Like he'll, he'll have, <laughs> or he has the opportunity he to play or something like that. Opportunity to get some minutes, maybe, kind of. I mean, that's basically, to me, he kind of said, Papa Nicolau can't play. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> Which isn't a surprise if you've been following Papa Nicolau, where he couldn't get off the bench for the Greek national team. Yeah. So what we what we basically have now is a Gal, Danilo Gallinari, who ba- uh, also Malone said today he can't take Gallo out of the game because immediately things go to crap. And he doesn't in, even in have like half. he can't even play Darrell Arthur there because Darrell Arthur's got a sore knee. Yeah, and it's and it's so he can't and because of the the injuries and the fact that Gallo is so valuable to the and team. You don't, and you don't have Harris, so you can't play Barton at small forward because yeah. you have to play Randy Foy. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, but it is. But at the same time, Gallo has an injury. So you, and you're like, how do you balance that? How do you balance the need to get someone better and the fact that this is basically not a year where you're going to be contending for the playoffs? How do you balance that with the fact that as soon as you take Gallo out of the game, the whole thing will go to crap? And it did. Gallo was out um, three minutes in the fourth quarter three and a half minutes in the fourth quarter and the Nuggets like went from two points up to like seven down. Yeah. And it was a game where no, neither team could score. So that's why those points were valuable. And he brought him back in because it, that was, and the Gallo only scored two points down the stretch, but at the same, it's because he was so labored, but long story short, where do you balance? How do you balance the need to, to, maintain some NBA dignity by, you know, staying competitive in a game with a player, and that the fact that this player needs probably to rest maybe a couple games with the Bombers. And they left him out of practice the day before the Magic game, right? He didn't practice just to try to get him a little rest. Yeah. Well, I will say this this week is good for him, because the Nuggets only have two games this week. Yeah, and he's not going to... I don't know how much he practiced today. I think he I sat out most of it. Yeah, I, I think... I, maybe just kind of watched. I, I think they sat him out. And honestly, you know, you're not going to get – it's not going to get better unless he's sat down for a couple weeks. You know, it's going to be a thing where they have to just 
try to find a way to manage his minutes. If you're going to lose games, I mean, look, you're not going to the playoffs this year. It's, we all know it's a developmental season. It's tough to say you're not going to go to the playoffs when you're you know, a handful of games out of the last seed, but why would you want to go get waxed by the Warriors anyway in the postseason? Play Papa Nicolau. I don't care if the guy is not an elite NBA backup small forward. I don't care if he can't play. You know, Just play him anyway. I mean, you made the roster move. Now you got to kind of bite the bullet. And if not, then, then you know, the front office, Tim Conley, needs to go out and make another move and just sign somebody out of the D-League and wave Papa Nicolau, something. Because well, you don't want to run Gallo into the ground in a season that doesn't matter. Keep in mind, they waved Nick Johnson. It wasn't great. They waved Nick Johnson with two years on his contract. To keep they, Eric Green. To keep Eric Green, who they then waved. <laughs> now, some could say, and they, now they have cost us Papa Nicolau. So you're paying whatever Nicolaus' salary is right now, plus Nick Johnson's salary, <laughs> for whatever move this was. I think the for move fifteenth roster spot. You call Portland's general manager, or the next time the Blazers come to town, or the next time the Nuggets go out there. Both places have great microbreweries, great craft breweries. Tim Conley, a beer connoisseur, should take the Portland GM out, get him nice and drunk, <laughs> and then trade him Kenneth Fareed for Alan Crabb and Farouk Alaminu. And to guarantee that the first round pick this year comes to the Nuggets. Take the protections off. Well, that's... Uh, he would have to be really Nice drunk. and drunk. <laughs> there, would, there would have to be more than, more than drinking involved. You trade, in him, that, you trade him Chandler, you trade him Papa <laughs> Nicolau, you trade him Randy Foy. And I don't care how many beers he got to have him drink to get that deal done. I'm, I'm reminded of the Naked Gun. Drugs, Hank. Drugs, Frank. Drugs. Nurse, get this guy some drugs. No, Frank. Heroin. It's a tall order, Nordberg. You have to give me some time on that. That's how you would have to do this. There would have to be heroin involved on top of, on top of other, other drinking. That's fine. Call it in. Call it in the league office around 2 a.m. That would be perfect. It, it is, it, you know, the, uh, you know, Gallo's not had Gallo's had a great, a better year for him and a worse year at the same time. That's the move, though, man. You got to trade yeah. Fareed. and he's got no future on this team. I, I think, I think Fareed is gone somehow. Fareed's just he's when he's come in. I mean, he's had good games, but he's had he's played better this year. I'll yeah, give him that. He's had good games, but at the same time, the offense. In general, functioned better when Darrell Arthur was starting. Space the floor, and it's and it's because there was floor spacing, and they were able to kind of kind of zip the ball around. Even though the defense doesn't really respect Arthur's shot because he's he hadn't shot well this season up until the last two weeks or so or yeah. a week. By the way, we're thinking of Andy Feinstein every time we mention Darrell Arthur. So. Yeah, and I, I love Darrell, <laughs> great guy, but you know the offense functions better. You know, when, even when Mike Miller's in there. When Mike Miller, Will Barton, and Emmanuel Moutier have played together recently, yeah. it's looked good. Miller's been incredible. Well, if yeah. he was like, if you could soak him in like a fountain of youth, like five years ago, even three years ago when he well, was yeah. in Memphis or whatever. I mean, he's, he's, played, he's played great, but you just can't play him that much because he's old as crap. Oh, well, yeah. You know, and, and, and Mike Mueller. Ferris Bueller. Mike Miller has, has helped them out. Considerably, 
in very small stretches. Yeah. He hasn't played that much. I mean, these are really, really small stretches of basketball he's played. And it's because, but this goes to one of the things that I would like to address before we get out of here, is that there's, there's certain mentalities for certain teams. Certain teams, like the Grizzlies, gain their confidence from great defensive basketball. It is eminently clear to me that the Nuggets gain all their confidence from functioning well on offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, when they were playing in that Toronto game, even though Mike Malone dis- Michael Malone disagreed with me, when I said that the Nuggets' offense was making their defense function better, he tends to think the opposite. But it, I think it's pretty much undeniable. That Jeff they, Morton versus Mike Malone. I was going to say, it was pretty Who much. Who has un- more basketball acumen? <laughs> Probably him, but, you know. <laughs> Probably. I'm more opinionated. Um, I got a microphone. Um, I, I, it was undoubt, undoubt, undoubtedly to me that the team hitting those shots at the beginning of the game was all they needed. To win the run, to win that game, it was all they needed. Yeah, you just it, it raised their confidence. Their confidence level. went through the roof. And getting, you know, it hasn't been easy for these guys to get. They don't free get easy bu- They don't get easy buckets on anything. They don't get easy buckets. They they play so much out of the half court. They don't leak out on defense. They don't throw you know long outlet passes. They get kind of jammed up even if they get defensive rebounds and you know guys kind of look to slow it down and. They got to take the reins off a little bit. I don't know whether it's in the off season if it's if it's bringing in a guy like Doug Moe when George Carl brought him in. You know, you don't want to bring in a guy that's threatening to take Michael Malone's job because I think I think Michael Malone should have job security here. I really yeah. like Malone. Yeah, I think he's a. I, I still think he's going to be a tremendous coach for this organization. Yeah, love the way he handles his players. Love how he's. Angry. He probably needs anger management classes. I don't mind that. I like a coach that is invested in the game and invested in his team. Um, but they've got to find somebody that can kind of well, tap on his shoulder and say, hey, Mike, here's what we should try on offense. Maybe we should try to get these guys a little easier looks here or there, sacrifice here or there a little bit for certain stretches to try to get that confidence up or this or that. Yeah. But it would be nice to see something like, I don't even know who that guy would be, but or if they 100% need that guy, it just feels like they need a little more innovation on offense, a little bit more focus on you know, t- doing what Michael Malone said he wanted to do when he got the job. Take advantage of the altitude and push the pace a little bit and try to win that way. And I think that's another thing that will come when Moutier gains his confidence in transition and going to the rim is, okay, now I know how to push the ball a little bit more because – he doesn't seem very comfortable doing that yet either. He, yeah, he he he. It seems and Jameer really Nelson sure as shit isn't going to run. Jameer is not a never been a push it up guard ever. He ever, just wants ever, to jack ever. up threes. And he just wants to shoot threes. I mean, let's let's be honest with you. Jameer Nelson is not that guy. You would need he like still got Stan Van a, Gundy in his ear. You would need a Darren Collison or something like that off the bench, um, or <laughs> Ty Lawson if he was still Ty Lawson, <laughs> you know. Um, but I. I the, the frustrating thing is you've seen stretches of basketball where the Nuggets have played extremely fast, and their defense has responded to that. All too frequently, it's been slow, walk the ball up, and it's not... I mean, people need to get pace out of their heads. They need to stop getting pace out of their heads. Pace is a different kind of thing. The Nuggets don't even get into their half-court sets early, Okay. If they were getting early offense with, with good half-court offense quick, 
I mean, they were getting into their offense, like not see like where the where the Nuggets take up the ball. Say like they'll get the rebound on any defensive shot, spot stop. The guy will get the rebound and then wait for a guard to get to them, and then Moutier yeah. or Jameer will just kind of jump, you know, walk the ball casually up the up the floor, and then they only have 16, 15 seconds left on the clock to run an offense, and then they're firing away at twenty four seconds. You know, I, it, that is not good. And I think offense. that's again, I think that's an, another area where Moutier will learn. You know, even if you're not, you know, pushing the ball all the way to the rim, if you're getting across half court in a very timely fashion, if you're sprinting across half court, like yeah. the, the Suns, obviously, the poster child for the quick offense was Steve Nash. That's what they did. They they pushed the ball across half court, got into sets early. The Nuggets, they do seem to kind of allow the defense to set up, yep. which is frustrating. It's like they wait for them. Yep. It's like they wait for the defense, and it's like you can't. You can't do that. Just go. Like, if this isn't football. You don't have to wait for the ball to be set and for the ref to tell you to go. Like, just go. When you are wanting to, if you want to run a half-court offense, you got to do it before. Dan Issel was fantastic at this. One of the best Nuggets players at understanding early offense. And if you watch old highlights of him, he knew when to get to the post spot and get his points up before everyone was set. On, I mean, he was brilliant at it. That's how he made his living in the NBA. There's not a single Nuggets player who does that. How many guys in the world do you think are on YouTube Googling Dennisle highlights? One. <laughs> I've watched some of the horse highlights. So <laughs> There's only one. Might his be two. name is Jeff. I bet Feinstein <laughs> does that every once in a while. Yeah. But you watch those 70s Nuggets teams. They had a super legit superstar in David Thompson who also helped that out considerably. But... The, you know, Issel was the best at getting early offense, and the Nuggets don't have anyone who gets early offense. It's, it is a, it is either you get. I mean, last night and they do it sometimes, and it works, and it's like do that all the time. Last, let me let me let me tell you, let everyone in on something. There's a, there's a fundamental concept of defense. Either you are guard your position for 24 seconds, or you are basically go for steals and go out on a break as much as you can. There's basic, There's only two forms of defense in the NBA. And you don't get much deviation off of that. And the Nuggets, Michael Malone's concept of defense, he wants you to guard for 24 seconds. Okay. The problem is, when that, you're not allowed leak outs. They want every position to guard their area and then get the rebound and go. A leak out, you are, you are basically playing four on five. You understand that because you know you have an opportunity to get the two points, easy two points at the other end. Michael Malone fundamentally, and this he has said this himself, wants you to defend for 24 seconds and not leak out. Will Barton got, I think, two fast break hoops on a leak out last night. Two of them, I believe. Um, it, that's not what Michael Malone wants. So, and then and fundamentally... He was a touch critical of Barton after the game. Yes, he was. I mean, rightfully so, 23 points, 23 shots. But he wasn't critical of, of that aspect. Yeah. He kind of, without singling him out, he, he, he floated very quickly from being asked about Will Barton's offensive game to talking about team defense and uh-huh. not executing the defense. I mean, yes. he went right back to that. That was his focus yes. last night. And you could tell he was annoyed at that. And, but the problem is... The Nuggets don't get easy buckets, and the only way to get easy buckets is if they run up, and someone is going to be have to be have to be ahead of the break. 
inevitably that's going to involve a leak out. And, and I don't think you, I don't yeah. think you need leak outs. I mean, I, I I loved what Melvin Hunt had said about talking to Corey Brewer about leak outs. Corey Brewer, one of the best cherry pickers of all time. Yeah. Loved doing it. And, and Melvin had always said, you know, if you leak out, that gives the defense the hint of, okay, here goes my guy. I'm going to go follow him now to where if you actually defensive rebound or at least pretend you're going to defensive rebound and then go into a full sprint once you get the ball, then you have a better chance of getting fast break points because your guy is then worried about you rebounding the ball or something, yeah. something along those lines. I, I, like I would, that, but I would normally agree with that, but to be honest with you, you only get that if you have, say, three defensive guys who are known for their defense on, the, on a shift. So you can have your bases covered if you're going to pretend, because it's pretending to get the ball and leaking out are the same thing. It's, it's literally the same thing. You, you, you can say you're going to fake someone out, but... At, I and Corey Brewer is also faster than like everyone in the yes. NBA. Yes. So and yeah. Will Barton is really fast. He can run foot races and against people. I, I, I think, I'm not saying the Nuggets should go to leak outs. I'm saying they, Sometimes. Don't, they don't get easy buckets. Yeah, and find a way to get some easy buckets during stretches of the game. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think leaking out a few times here or there is going to kill your team. No. And I also think once you get... I, I really feel like Jokic has played exactly the way that Malone wants him to, and coaches absolutely love that when you tell them, do this and that, don't do this and that. And I, I want to see Jokic... He's a gifted passer. And I want to see him... I, wanna, I don't know if he's a good outlet passer, but I want to see a little bit of that. Nurkic showed last year that he has the ability to be a very good outlet passer. And the Nuggets, again, I mean, part of the problem is turnovers, right? Like, they have so many turnovers in transition where they just give the ball away. And and Moutier, that's another part of his game where, you know, when when an outlet pass finds him, he's got to, like, put his head down and, like, start sprinting down court and find the guy that's ahead of the pack, if it's Barton or whoever else. You know, get the outlet pass to half court, and then from half court, move the ball. I mean, just, yeah, like you said, Jeff, easy buckets. I don't care how you get them, but maybe open up the outlet passing a little bit more. Remember what George really would always say? Going. Is that sometimes you just need to see the ball go in the hoop? Yeah. I, I, the Nuggets go through far too many stretches where they, can't, they don't see the ball go in the hoop. Michael Malone today talked about struggling so much to get an easy bucket and then missing it, right? Yeah, they have to work for so much. And, and I even don't, when they get inside, they're missing. And I don't think he understands the irony of what he's saying. It's part of the functionality of that is his the way he his philosophy of of not you know allowing the team basically to get easy buckets. It's if there's a always a struggle between wanting to play with a running pace and doing that kind of defensive philosophy that they want to do. Remember the Nuggets did the, did tried to incorporate this uh, last year and then the year before under Shaw. Then they did a whole bunch of switching and it became a muddled mess. One of Shaw's biggest problems is he never stuck to a philosophy and he was all over the map. The the Malone is very rigid in his philosophy and he's he's good and I think it can work. But the problem is you in a team that, with no shooters, you got to get as many layups as possible, and they, they just don't they just don't get any layups. And I, I kind of think that's another area, too, where once the Nuggets kind of you know, play a little bit more or figure out Malone's system a little bit better, once it kind of becomes more second nature, some of what they're doing, maybe they'll push the ball a little more on offense. Maybe they can focus more on that side because you know, Malone, is, he's preached and he's even said post-game a lot of times about how his team's not pushing the ball and this and that. And 
I really think that a lot of it is because, or some of it at least, is because they're trying to adhere to his style, and maybe they don't quite know like how to incorporate both yet. And it's it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, they got nothing but time in front of them to work on it. So, well, see, one of the reasons the the Warriors were, and I, I hate it when people compare the Warriors to anyone because that's just they got Steph Curry um, and Clay is, Thompson. Don't is, forget Clay Thompson. There's not a single team that does above the break three-point shots as much as the Warriors. Their breaks are, are breaks to a three-point shot. I know. They only have to go like 20 feet yeah. for a fast break. They, they, they're not <laughs> going to the cup. They're going to the arc. And I, They only need like a sliver of time to yeah. shoot the ball, too. It's insane. And, and that kind of thing, that's what allows them to play 24-second defense and still kind of have a high pace. You know, to be honest with you, um, that's not going to work. Yeah, not with this team. And nobody's trying to be the Warriors. Yeah, not Nuggets with this aren't team. trying to be the Warriors. And and you're going to have to get two. The, the you're going to have to get as many fast break points as you can to get confidence in the team. Then you can probably go into your to your offense. But it took in Toronto. I mean, even though they played well offensively, it took Darrell freaking Arthur hitting basically what seven shots in a row. <laughs> Well, they still just need to find that balance of, you know, pushing the ball off of misses and how to do that. And they have to practice that. And that'll, you know, hopefully that's something that will come, but it's something like, like you're pointing out. We need to keep paying attention to, you know, what are they doing on these missed shots? What are they doing when they get in transition? Are they trying to get into transition? Hell, they even blew that two-on-one last night with, with Jameer and, and Barton. They yep. didn't really didn't look like they knew how to run it. And, yeah. you know, Jameer was the one that was finishing the play when it should have been an easy alley-oop to Will Barton. Yep. You know, Andre yep. Miller would have figured that shit out to Corey Brewer ASAP. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, good podcast, fun stuff. Uh, nuggets are struggling, but still fun to watch. Still like watching the young Nuggets. I don't care how much Moutier struggles. I would, wouldn't would trade this season for the last two for anything. Yeah, I agree. It is, it's, they are so much better to watch this year, even with their struggles. Because there's like... There's hope at the end of the tunnel, and we didn't have that. The last two we, years. We, we, yeah, yeah, it was pretty bleak. <laughs> and Nurkic isn't even back yet. When he comes back, it's going to be even more fun. Yeah, it'll be. He'll, he'll be back, but he won't be back. <laughs> yeah, he'll be back, but it'll take him time to get back. We may not see Nurkic until next season. <laughs> the Nurkic that we remember fondly. Yeah. So we'll see. But anyway, good stuff, Jeff. We will hopefully be back later this week with a special podcast yes. from the Pepsi Center. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. All right, guys. See you later. See you later.